Paul Kuharski podcast is brought to you by Yazoo Brewing Company, a Southern original since 2003. Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I am said Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. I got my name in three times in about 15 seconds. That's how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. No Madison Blevins again. At least you clicked in and I'll get credit for you listening for those of you who are here for her. Um, apologies that we can't get in sync. She's a very busy and important woman. Uh, we will continue to attempt to do better, but I am still filled with information and opinions, which I will provide to you, courtesy of the wonderful sponsorship of Yazoo Brewery. Uh, if you're in or around Nashville, you should be drinking it. Get yourself a sick pack, uh, pony up to the bar, and uh, order one. I'm partial to the Hefeweizen. Uh, a big fan of their product, a big fan of the company, which is a big supporter of this website, as are many of you. And if you're not, uh, we'll do a little bit here where I show you why you should be a subscriber. But the good stuff is going to come uh, after a break at the midway point, and that'll be for members only. I'm going to give you something I usually write, but instead this week you're getting it uh, on the podcast. I've got scouting reports from two NFL scouts. On the three players the Titans uh, are reportedly uh, had or having for visits this week, that's Benny Logan, that's Jordan Matthews, that's Michael Campanero. Um, that's to come after the break, as well as uh, discussion of, of Frank Wycheck, who I connected with at the uniform unveiling um, the other night, and many of you ask uh, me about over and over, so I had a chance to reconnect with him. Let's get on to that uh, uniform unveiling that took place in Nashville on Lower Broadway Wednesday night. Uh, a cool night, but not not too cool, um, and a really cool event that uh, we talked about a lot on the Midday 180, and uh, Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow uh and I were all in agreement that it was really an A-plus, first-class event. Really well done. Um, and uh, a, lot, a lot of people saying, well, people were down there for Florida Georgia Line. That's kind of the point. They were smart enough to partner with a band that has a big audience. I'm not part of that audience. I have no interest in Florida Georgia Line, but I'm not going to pretend that they're not popular. And a uniform unveiling takes really about five minutes. Uh, and could easily be done on video. So they needed to build an event in order for uh, people to want to come downtown and be part of it. They threw a downtown party. And we as a city are pretty good at downtown parties. Um, and it was a lot of fun, even for somebody like me that was not uh, partying, so to speak. I, I, was, I was there to work. But uh, Mike Keith did a nice job hosting the event. You heard from Amy Adams Strunk. You heard from... Uh, John Robinson and Mike Vrabel to hype up the football a little bit. They incorporated the four guys that uh, wore the original Titans uniforms um, to unveil them well, 20 years ago. Uh, the aforementioned Wycheck, Blaine Bishop, uh, Craig Hentrick, and, and Eddie George, who's the headliner of that group. And, and those guys were there wearing their old jerseys and then taking those off uh, to have new jerseys underneath it. And then on offense, you had. Mariota, you had Taylor Lewan, and you had – come on, who am I forgetting? That's ridiculous. Delaney Walker. On defense, you had Jarrell Casey, Brian Arakpo, and Kevin Byard, and they wore multiple combinations of uh, the uniforms. Um, 
And I'll review those in a moment, and, uh, and I've written about them on the website. But first, I, I just wanted to say that while the, uh, the uniforms were leaked, you know, two days ahead of time, we did see uh, a Navy uniform, a very poor picture. Day of the release, we did see the light blue version of the uniform in a better picture. Um, there was still a lot of intrigue around this. I'm sure the Titans wish they could have done better at preventing it from getting leaked. Uh, it did take a little bit away from it, but still I think there was a lot of curiosity about the helmet and the pants and the combination, uh, the combinations that they'd be wearing them in and confirming that the leak was real. Um, it seems like the leak is probably from a distribution center where uh, Nike would likely have been taking big shipments uh, from overseas and then uh, breaking them down to send them to, to stores. Uh, we had a caller, uh, I think it was Ricky, on uh, Midday 180, who said he thinks that's where it happened and he's familiar with the process. Um, so they did a heck of a job keeping everything secret right up until almost the very end and, and still couldn't do it. The process should be streamlined, and, and you just shouldn't ship them until after the fact to totally erase that. But even with that one glitch, this process, which now they're saying started as far back as 2014, but really, I think, kicked into gear in 2016, and that's when Amy Adams Strunk told me at training camp that, uh, that she was going forward with, uh, with redoing the uniforms, which she said was a freshening up more so than a, than a you know, tearing down and reconstruction. Um, it's a heck of a two-year process, and uh, they handled it very well organizationally. You know, things weren't leaked out. Um, she clearly threatened people with, uh, with holding on to the, their information. The players who saw the uniforms early uh, signed non-disclosure agreements, et cetera, et cetera. It's just my sense that as uh, Amy Adams Strunk has taken over the leadership of this organization uh, with, with Kenneth Adams involved, with Steve Underwood as the team president, with John Robinson as the, the GM, now with Mike Vrabel as the coach, um, you know, we are not that far removed from this being a really shoddy organization. Didn't spend a lot of money on things outside of players. Um, you know, was messy when Bud Adams uh, wasn't, you know, didn't have his full faculties in the last few years of his life. And then in the, in the fiasco where Tommy Smith took over, they've updated the building. They've spent money on, on everything. Uh, you know, they're a media presence now with their in-house website, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It could go on and on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody corrected us on the radio this week. I could go on and on about everything. And, and uh, Chad was saying that, you know, on the radio, they're up to the standard. Um, which is true, but for a period of time there, they, they weren't at the standard. And there are some teams with bad ownership that don't get to the standard or who don't live up uh, to what other things are. Look, I covered the Jaguars and the Colts and the Texans in addition to the Titans for several years at ESPN. And I could tell you, uh, I don't know what the Colts have done to their facility lately, but you know their facility felt a lot like the Titans' old facility. Um, and uh, I don't know if they've done a major revamping or not, but uh, you know, if they haven't, they're not very modern and sophisticated and current. And the Titans are now modern and sophisticated and current. Are they going to pick the right free agents? Are they going to draft the right players? Are they going to have the right injury luck? Are the coaches the right selections? Are they going to call the right plays? All of those things are doubtlessly in question. 
But I think all of those things are operating now under the umbrella of a franchise that is well-organized and well-run, and that has not always been the case. And, um, you know, I've touted Amy Adams Strunk virtually from the beginning because I think she's made predominantly good decisions. I don't think it was a good decision to hire Mike Malarkey and not conduct really a full coaching search. I don't think it was a good decision to fire the uh, the head of communications at one point. She made a, a really big mistake not going to the owner's meetings right outside her hometown when they were in Houston and she was in Waller, Texas. That was after hiring Robinson and Malarkey. Uh, beyond that, it's hard to find a mistake. I, I, I And I think she handled this whole uniform thing very well. I would say the font of the numbers is a mistake, and that takes us into uh, into the transition to talk about the uniforms. Um, I, I like them better than I expected when I saw them on Wednesday night, and I wrote what I thought was a, a pretty positive review of them, not glowing, um, but then I talked to a lot of people, uh, did a, a, a Periscope and a Facebook Live and looked at more pictures and uh, slept on it. And, and when I woke up on Thursday, I liked them less. Um, and so I could talk you through why I like them less. I don't think they're tragic by any means. I think we will get used to them. Um, the jagged numbers is, is my number one problem. And that, that flaring edge that's meant to represent the northeast corner of, of Tennessee, uh, that's too insider for me. Um, I think people from around the country are going to look at that not knowing what it means and think it looks bad. But the numbers are so big that um, I hardly noticed that. That didn't stand out to me that much. And I don't have that big a problem with that. I just don't – the shape of the numbers is too jagged. And jagged is absolutely the right word. Um, you know, Bayard's 31 to 3 – uh, is incredibly wide and next to the one, it looks like it's going to swallow it up. Um, uh, 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 one of the, one of the members of, of my starting 22 at the website used a great line who, and he said, I could share it. He said, it looked like the, the three looked like a kid trying to carve a three out of a pumpkin. And I think that's absolutely fair. Um, I think that the eight is terrible. I call it the home plate eight. The negative space inside forms two different size home plates. Um, the three is bad. Uh, I don't think the two is very good. Um, I don't know that we've seen everything else. Uh, a Rackpo wears 98. It just absolutely fills up the jersey. I think it's it's overbearing, and, and that's not a good look. So that's my primary complaint on the uniforms is the jagged font of the numbers. I think that the sword idea was maybe of too big an influence here. So the pants have uh, kind of a double stripe, at least uh, the white pants do. That's like a, a angled, not too wide double stripe that only is maybe eight inches tall. That is, uh, maybe it's more than that, but it's not the whole length of the pants by any means. And it's, it's as if uh, they're wearing a a sheath on the side of their pants where you would sheath your sword. Uh, that's kind of cool. And I like the pants very much in their simplicity, all, all three sets of pants that we saw. Um, and then the sword is used obviously on the, uh, on the shoulders. And so there's two tone gray on the shoulders. That's meant to look like the sword logo looks where the one blade 
just catching the, the one side of the blade uh, angled a different direction than the other side of the blade uh, or angled away from the other side of the blade is um, catching the light differently. And then that comes down to a point just over the, the collarbone part onto the arm, onto the shoulder comes down to a point. And I think that looks sharp from certain angles and everything. And I think I'm probably making a big, too big a deal of this, but I think if you look at it head on, all you see is kind of that gray on the shoulder and it leaves you wondering what the hell is going on up there. And that's also one of my issues with the helmet, which I thought I would like more than I do that. If you are looking straight on at the helmet, looks like a solid blue helmet. There's no indication of anything going on there. Now, Jonathan Hutton from the Midday 180 uh, talked to Kenneth Adams about this. And part of the evolution of that helmet, which has uh, a thicker stripe in the back and that sword narrows to a point that disappears, uh, you know, a little bit in front of the top of the head, is that uh, there's no stripe visible. It'll be harder for a defensive back to see that stripe, which could give a hint where the quarterback's eyes are. You know, obviously, it's, it's, you're going to know if he's looking all the way right or all the way left. But on subtle stuff, um, that stripe could give an indication uh, or a hint, a visual hint, to a defensive back trying to determine where the quarterback's looking. And so they factor that in, which, which makes sense. But still, from straight on, which is the primary angle you're going to see these uniforms at, I think you're seeing a jagged number. You're seeing a helmet that doesn't tell you much about what's going on on there. And you're seeing uh, shoulders that, that create some confusion. Um, as I wrote that those jagged numbers kind of interrupt a sleek look. I think there's something sleek about them, even with those numbers. But if the numbers were also sleek, they'd be really pretty sharp. Um, on the helmet, I like the idea of going uh, to the navy blue, and the satin idea sounded good. I'm told satin is one step short of matte, where it's got a dull shine but still a shine, um, and matte has no shine. Well, you know, I saw it in varying light and not in the best light, but the the blue of the flame ball logo kind of disappears, as do the three stars, which. I think makes it kind of hard to see the whole thing. It is outlined now in a silver that I think should have been, if it's not going to be matte, should have been shinier or more, uh, more pronounced. And I don't feel like the logo really pops off of, uh, off of those helmets. So that, that's my assessment of the uniforms. I do think that, uh, that they did you know, pretty well. I, I think everything makes sense. I think the talking points that Nike put out uh, make sense about or, or what some of these things mean. I've hit on some of them here. You can find uh, some more of them uh, on, on the website. I know uh, Paul Lucas sent, uh, sent out a, a good thing that described some things, um, including the uh, – what's the one thing? I'm looking at it right now. I mean, even the explanation, at least it says the custom designed number font inspired by angular stone carved lettering. Now, I'm not sure where the stone carved lettering was and if it looked that way, but uh, I don't get it. It says Titan's blue alternate uniform can be worn twice per season as well as color rush games. So I guess it could be worn three times a season. 
So we'll see how much they go with that. The sword, obviously the dominant design uh, element now, but that secondary logo that people really like, which is the sword, is not in itself on the uniform anywhere. And so uh, it inspired the uniforms, but it's not on the uniforms, which I think, uh, I don't know, that's a little confusing. I'm sure there will still be stuff sold with that secondary logo. And if you want a t-shirt or a hat, you will be able to, uh, to get one. And uh, we will see. Initially uh, at the pro shop Wednesday night, only four varieties of the jersey. I think all the same color, the navy blue. I think it was Mariota, Corey Davis, Delaney Walker, Taylor Lewan, all offensive players anyway. No Bayard, no Arakpo, no Casey. Um, so, look, that stuff comes available in due time. So um, here's one other element that, that gets made a big deal out of uh, that I think is kind of funny. Uh, Titans have three red stars inside the back collar of the uniform. I don't, I don't know that you could call it a uniform feature because to me, a uniform feature is going to be something that I see when somebody's wearing the uniform. And what's on the inside of the uniform is not something that I see when the uniform's being used to play football in. And so, uh, I mean, it, I guess it's a cute way for teams. And, and I know the Predators have piano keys in theirs. And it's cool if you're buying a replica and you're taking it on and off and you get to look at it. But it's also like an insider secret, you know, and I don't know that it's it's a big thing to tout as a feature. Certainly not proportionate to a lot of the other things that we actually see in the uniform. And so uh, I found that curious. I wanted to offer up one hockey note here, too, before we move into the uh, the second half where I'll talk to members only. Um David Poyle was on the Midday 180 on Thursdays, as he's been throughout the regular season. I can't pronounce Tolvanen's first name yet. Uh, I was out of town when he got here, and I have not mastered that. But he did tell us that um, the the nine games, if you play more than nine games, uh, you use up your first year of the contract, so to speak, and they're they're giving up a year of rights to you, if, if you will. But that, that there's not been an organizational discussion of monitoring that or considering that, and that Peter Laviolette is going to be able simply to play Tolvanen as he sees fit. I think he's played three games already. Uh, there are a few left down the stretch here, and then the playoffs, it seems pretty certain he's going to play 10 games and use up that first year. And I admire the Predators for not being businessmen here or not being uh, contractually obsessed and being uh, fielding, putting on the ice the best team possible obsessed. And Tolvanen, uh, I suspect, will be part of that enough enough games that um, he's going to use up year number one of the Predators' rights to him. And uh, I, I respect and admire um, that decision and that approach, and I think it's the right thing for them to do. Um, you're listening to the Paul Kuharski podcast. Uh, this is available on iTunes and through vocalnow.com, uh, as well as at paulkuharski.com. And we will end here. We're sponsored by Yazoo Brew Company. Yazoo, not Yazoo, still working on that. Yazoo Brew, Brewing Company. Great beer made in Nashville. We've got something for everybody. Grab a six pack or order it up next time 
you're out for drinks. I promise you will enjoy it. Um, and I promise if you become a member of paulkuharski.com, you'll enjoy it. Um, for the next day or two, I'm going to keep up this special that I intended to be a one-day uniform uh, unveiling occasion special. But for right now, you can get a yearly annual membership for 25% off. This is the best deal you're going to get. Um, it really doesn't add up to much, I promise you. And um, the monthly is $5.99 a month. And uh, with 25% off, that's um, – down a significant amount. And so I, I urge you to, to, to contemplate uh, getting it. I'll, I'll tell you right now, and I, uh, a lot of people tell me, well, you know, I could get what you're doing at the Tennessee or at ESPN.com for free. Tennessee and ESPN.com didn't have one uniform detail, didn't do any digging on the uniform uh, coming into this process while I was busting my ass to get, albeit minor details, but details that, that you wanted about this uniform ahead of time. And I knew that light blue wasn't going to be a primary color. Uh, I knew the helmets were going to be navy blue. I knew there was going to be no Greek key on this, and so did my members because they read it at my site. These people also knew, by the way, that Dick LeBeau wasn't going to be back and that Matt LaFleur was going to be the offensive coordinator well ahead of schedule. They saw videos and, and read from Amy Adams Strunk at the owners' meetings. Again, a place where the Tennessean and ESPN.com on the Titans – were not present, and I was fortunate enough to be there thanks to MDI Construction. So you're mistaken if you think you're getting from everybody else what you're getting from me in terms of being places, talking to people, and probably most importantly, telling you what things mean better than anyone else can. I've been around this team since the start. The people in that building know and respect me and uh, and talk to me. So paulkuharski.com, click the membership button, join on, and then you can be part of the second half of this podcast where podcast where I'm going to talk about Frank Wycheck, uh, and I'm going to give you scouting reports on three guys that the Titans are currently looking at. Uh, that's it for part one. I appreciate you being here. If you're not a member, join up. If you are a member, I'll be back in just a minute. The Paul Kuharski Podcast is a joint production of paulkuharski.com and Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-Now.com.